Welcome to You Got This, a podcast about teaching and learning and sustaining community for the whole of Thompson Rivers University. I'm your host, Brenna Clark Gray, Coordinator of Educational Technologies, and this podcast is a project of your friends over at Learning, Technology, and Innovation. We're housed within Open Learning, but we support the whole campus community. I record this podcast in Tecumloops Te Suetmuk within the unceded traditional lands of Suetmukulu, where I hope to learn and grow in community with all of you. And if my voice sounds funny this week, it's because I'm sick. Let's get into it. So it might surprise you to know this, but I'm very, very bad at being sick. I don't like to take time off. I don't like to rest. I get super cranky when I'm limited in what I can do. My son changed daycares this fall. um, And as a result, he's sick because kiddos always get sick when they change daycares, new germ ecosystem. And he's brought it home with him. And thankfully, the kind of disclaimer you have to make when you're in the middle of a plague We've been through the self-assessments, we've talked to public health, we haven't been sent for testing, thankfully. No fevers, just so much snot. <laughs> not not me, him, him, I swear. Me, I just like sinus pain. You can hear in the background that I'm not on my own and haven't been all week. And it's interesting because I know that for about six months, I did this every day, right? For about six months, my house was a daycare. <laughs> This is how we worked. And yet, I'm not sure if it's the duration that all of this has gone on or something related to burnout or or what, but I kind of feel like my brain is just full of bees. <sighs> like like someone took my brain out of my head and just replaced it with thousands of bees. That is what it feels like to be inside my brain right now, just bees. So many bees. <laughs> I'm thinking about all this this week because I can't think about anything else because I haven't gotten anything else done. But also because it's a good reminder that um, I can speak as intentionally as I want to about rest, but unless I actually am able to enact it, I'm not going to make any change. And I think that means both personally and systemically. Anyway, You'll hear in the interview this week that uh, my voice is not what I usually hope it would be, although maybe it's a nice kind of like Lauren Bacall thing. Do you think I can sell it? (laughs) And maybe I should have just taken the week off to rest, but I didn't. This whole thing, this whole being human thing, it's a real learning process, hey? I'm not sure I... um, not sure I'm ever going to get better at it. (laughs) Keep hoping I will. Every time I'm sick, I'm reminded of the role of embodiment in our pedagogy, right? We can say all the right things, but can we embody them? Can we enact them? (laughs) This week, I'm feeling like a bit of a hypocrite, but that's okay, because I have a great conversation to share with you with someone who does embody progress and being fully human. I'm joined this week by Alicia Ashcroft and I'm grateful to her for the vulnerability and the openness she shares in our talk this week. 
I'm going to leave it up to her. I am here today with Alicia Ashcroft. I feel excited to be the person interviewing you, Alicia, because I think you are normally in this role. Um, would you mind introducing yourself to listeners and let them know where they might have seen you around campus or online? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, my name is Alicia Ashcroft. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the writer and storyteller for the Faculty of Student Development. And where you would have seen me most likely most recently is is hosting uh, What's On at TV. You, which is an Instagram live uh, show that we do each week. And we've done lots of videos over the past couple of years. So students definitely know me from uh, our video production side of things. Tell me about this role of being writer and storyteller. How did you come into that? And what does like day-to-day life look like for you on campus? <laughs> well, first of all, it's so important to acknowledge, yes, I'm so rarely on the other side of <laughs> a, an interview. This is a real treat for me to <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. be just led through a conversation as opposed to leading. So I've been in this role at this point, actually, I just celebrated my fifth anniversary The writer and storyteller position was based off of a role that um, had been very successful at Ryerson University. And I stepped into the role and at the time it was, you know, a permanent very, there was a couple of very short little contracts and we weren't entirely sure what the work would, would look like. And actually primarily at the beginning, we were featuring staff and faculty. Mm. Um, But over time, um, as we've, you know, grown in the work and, and seen what people are are interested in, not that they're not interested in the lives of staff and faculty, but we have been featuring students uh, mm. a lot more. And then that staff and faculty are are sort of behind the scenes in, in that narrative. So I often think about the the formula of the work that we do in terms of uh connecting students with our programming, our student services is, you know, what was the struggle? What was the solution and who helped Mm. you along the way? So we really always try to touch on those in our work. And over the past three years, we've been increasing the work that we do with students. So I uh, manage a student storyteller squad. Thank you very much. And and we're working with co-op students and work-study students and ripen funded students. Actually, this year we have a team of eight. Oh, wow. Um, And so then the work is becoming a lot more about featuring the students, helping them make sense of what they're dealing with and Mm. resolving those issues in real time and reporting on that to others to really help break down the barriers of accessing supports. I was going to say your role must have changed quite a lot last year, um, just in that it's always been a community building role. Um, but all of a sudden, how you go about building community really, I would I would imagine anyway, really shifted last year. Well, actually, and it's so funny that you say this, because I was just reflecting on that today as we're finalizing our annual report. I mean, last year was a banner year for mm. content creation, because that's really <laughs> so. all we had. Um, we weren't able to gather. But you know, I think when I think about the work of last year, uh, you know, and I think of the pandemic in general, what will never fail to touch my heart is how people tried to reach each other Mm. and how people tried to connect. And, and I think the students, and we really see that now um, being back on campus, there is a real hunger for 
connectivity, Mm -hmm. um, to be seen, to be heard, to be part of a community. And so I think there was that same drive over the pandemic. And so the work really became about, you know, this working with the students by, you know, MS Teams and, and texting and FaceTime and really creating a virtual community. And, and honestly, working with the students over the past year, I mean, I always love working with students. They're the heartbeat of my work. Mm. But over the pandemic, that I think was so crucial and critical to be connected with students, to keep you grounded in the purpose and, and never yeah. losing sight of what we need. So, I mean, last year we did uh, Instagram lives that, you know, I or the students were hosting or, you know, student groups were doing uh, virtual coffee sessions. And so there was an infinite amount. And so as we were reflecting for the annual report, we were overwhelmed with the materials that we had Mm. created with the, with the students. And that's really fun. I think that's definitely the biggest shift of the work is I'm not necessarily the one solely creating. It's Mm -hmm. working with the students to create an idea and then helping them bring it to life as part of the team because there are other people um, that work with the team as well. Such an interesting transferable skill to be working with students on, right? This ability to to tell a story in a way that is meaningful. It's surprisingly not a huge part of often the curriculum of their classroom, and yet it's so critical to their ability to translate what they do here out into their life beyond, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think about that so much about what skill set a student has and really sometimes having to stop and think, okay, well, let's, let's learn how to write an email. Let's, let's shape, let's develop those um, administrative skills before we necessarily get to that project. And I think that's been really educational for me. I think sometimes, especially when we get really busy, I think we can, um, you know, talk in shorthand. And I think with the students that you, you really do want to break it down really Clearly, I'm going to give a shout out to um, my comms coordinator, Krista, who always refers to, you know, clarity is kindness. And so Mm -hmm. that's a big part is we want to be so clear. We want to break it down in the steps. And so a big part of the output is the learning how to, you know, facilitate an interview, how to do a call out, you know, how to write a blog and edit. And I think that's the thing. Sometimes it's like, oh, we'll write a blog and post it on, on WordPress and then we'll post it on social media. Well, there are so many more steps mm-hmm. uh, to that process. And so I think students, um, you know, are, I need to be reminded of how many steps and we need to be reminded of how many steps are required to get through an entire project. And then that helps the individual make sense of that. Because I think it's really easy to feel very overwhelmed by how much work any particular project is um, and really trying to prevent that that creative paralysis if you're like as we all can identify with when we're staring at a blank page or being faced with an enormous project and not knowing where to start and and that becomes a big part of it is where where can we start and what are the steps and how can we work collectively to get to the the end points so i'm fascinated by all of this because this is so much of what we do on our side of the desk, right? You can say to someone, just post it to your Moodle (laughs) or whatever, but if they don't know the steps, then that's not helpful. And I've been thinking about that clarity piece a lot, um, just around miscommunication. I feel like you can kind of tell the rhythm of the semester over at Moodle support because there's a point in the semester where like people just get 
they just stop reading their emails. It's, it's, you know, they're asking for help, but it's, it's difficult to communicate what they need and it's hard to get the response back. Like it's a stress level thing, right? And I was thinking that as excited as everyone is to be back on campus, we have hit that point much earlier in the term than usual. It can really kind of feel the sense of just uncertainty and anxiety. And I I can always tell it around this communication piece. It's like when communication starts to break down, I know that folks are, are hitting that point. How are the students doing? You get to work so closely with them. You must have a good sense of sort of the the affective experience of being on campus right now for students. Well, you can't you can't see it, but I've been listening to you and just nodding my head <laughs> very slowly. You know, and, and I'll I will preface it by before jumping into how the students are, I we think about that so much in communications and and thinking about how we can get students to just just skim the materials. That's what I ask. Just skim it, just give it a little peruse, see what the, yes. um because it's all of those materials give you the the clues, the tips, the insights, the next steps that help you get the support that you need. And we mm. think so much, though, about how, you know, we can't control how someone perceives or receives or responds to our materials. So we can't, yeah. uh, and, and, and again, thinking about what the next step of like, and that's a, a huge part of our work is is thinking there are people that have heard about the services and yet haven't accessed the services. And, and why is that? And, you know, so thinking, how do we, you know, take those communications and how can we help propel it Mm -hmm. into some kind of, of action? And then I'll connect it to the work that we do with students in which a (laughs) student, Any student that has worked with me uh, knows that they'll say, oh, I'm having a problem with this. And it's like, okay, okay, you know, here's a solution. But also, this is content. (laughs) (laughs) So reminding the students that they're not alone and that this is really helpful if if a student doesn't know how to use Moodle or or doesn't understand um, a term. Like we were in a meeting and we were talking about tabling, which is, you know, standing at a table and, and greeting right. people and having swag. And someone goes, okay, sorry, what is tabling? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, let's take a quick minute. Let's explain that. Then, and I was really struck by thinking we're talking about tabling and, you know, you know, we know what it is and then not necessarily making space or just not catching that someone's like this whole conversation is lost to me because mm-hmm. I don't know what you mean. And so I just said, you know, thank you so much for, for asking that because I'm going to assume that you asking also indicates there are other people that are quietly like, I don't know that is, but I might not. Mm, totally. Um, so that's, you know, part of that. And to respond to the other question about how students are, are dealing, you know, I think it's a real mixed bag. I think yeah. that there's um, a real enthusiasm to connect socially. Like I know our team of storytellers, like they have a group chat and it is lit and they are really, they're hanging together. They're having fun together. They're really excited to be with each other. But then I also think that that can really impact, you know, time management and also Mm -hmm. like just the facilitation of your projects. Like someone was like, all of these, you know, due dates and deadlines are rolling in. Like, how dare they? (laughs) (laughs) So I think that, and I know for myself, I I have absolutely no qualms about saying I feel really fractured mentally in the, in the return because it just feels like a whole new ball game. And I think we have a heightened 
sense of, of sensitivity around just the outside world. And so I think that some students are feeling really excited, but then it's, it's hard, I think, to manage your energy and yeah. like that there's a po- possible sensory overload. So all of the students are really kind of ricocheting between different checkpoints of, of their emotions. And then this is where we're coming in and, and thinking, well, this might be a good opportunity to check in with a counselor, check in with early alert, check in with a wellness center and and looking for solutions and, and coping strategies to help them navigate, you know, these really high highs and these potentially low lows. Well, it's so interesting as you say that because I've been I've been reflecting on this a lot. I've noticed as I talk to faculty that there's depending on, I mean, not everybody can, right? Depending on your schedule, but it's certainly something I've found for myself. I'm, I'm really settling into a rhythm, not this week because I have a sick kiddo at home, but generally a couple days on campus, a couple days at home, sort of floating between those two. And I'm, I'm liking that because I do find now that, you know, being on campus for a, a long period of time, like it's, it's draining in a way that it didn't used to be. Like I was standing in the Starbucks line, which is somehow still infinite. (laughs) And I was thinking like, wow, there's so many people. And I'm thinking so much about where other people are in proximity to me. And I'm thinking about the, the sensory experience of wearing my mask, right? Like there's all these things that were never part of my world before. Um, and then I think about the fact that like I can choose to do that, right? I can choose to be on campus a couple of days and off campus a couple of days, but many of our students can't. Their schedules just don't work out that way. And I, I'm talking to faculty more about managing this sense of overwhelm and kind of thinking about how we're feeling it and how others are feeling it. For some reason, I particularly think about second year students because they had such a strange first year experience and second year is supposed to be when you hit this stride, right? You kind of like figure things out right before that difficulty jump that comes in third year. And they kind of have like a new, another first year as they start to navigate all this stuff, how we make space for each other to manage these very different experiences of the return that we're all having. Oh yeah. I feel all of this. And actually we sort of have said, you know, there's the new to TRU students and then there's like the, the new, new to TRU (laughs) students. Like there's a lot of people. And again, I, I have to remind myself, you know, I, um, I'm very open about the fact that I live with a mental health condition and that I had to put a lot of, honestly, a lot of planning and prep and reflection um, in preparing for mm. the return. And honestly, I kept really trying to manage my language to say, I, I don't want to actually, and I, this is Trevor Noah, um, the talk show host had said it, but he's like, I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. And oh, mm-hmm. that has stuck with me that I really wanted to think about it as going forward and, and doing things differently. And Mm -hmm. actually, you know, over the summer, I had like booked a counseling appointment. I booked a Reiki appointment. I booked because I like to do like body work and and energy work. And I booked all of these things that I've had these appointments over the past, you know, couple of weeks. And I was like, Mm. ah, past me, kudos to you for looking (laughs) out for present day me. Because I have felt really really emotional uh, mm. and and I have felt mentally fractured because I think too one of the ch- you know to me 
as having a very active mind, a monkey mind, if you will, um, that there was something about remote working that I really liked because it, it mm. helped me really narrow my focus where, mm. oh, a message from a student, I'm going to respond and emails come up. I'm going to respond. You were able to have this very singular focus. And mm. then I've had moments where, you know, um, that there are many students in front of me and each one has a question and I need to respond to that question and set them up for them to move forward. And just feeling really activated by that. And I said to mm-hmm. someone, I said, it's, I, th- I keep thinking of that, the Levi's jeans label on the back of jeans where the two horses are pulling the denim in different directions. And I'm like, yeah. I am that denim. I am. <laughs> um, and so that's been something to be really thoughtful about for myself, about like how I can ensure that I'm caring for people, but also caring for myself and, and managing those pieces. So I think we're all in this really funky place. And so we've been chatting amongst our team and our students of how do we provide context? How do Mm. we make space for follow-up? How can we, you know, possibly, you know, apologize or check in? Again, that feels like, I think, again, a really, a real concern for me is just like, I don't want to accidentally cause harm because I'm Mm. sitting at my desk really dealing with some internal uh, push pull and then someone, uh, you know, inadvertently comes over to ask a question and I um, am not able to receive them in that way. And I feel like that's a fear for me. And then having to just go, but that's, it's okay. It's okay to like, if you feel that you've, you know, stepped a foot wrong or been sharp uh, Mm. in a response that you're able to like check in or that people understand that we're all and I have to remind myself that I have, I alone have not just like been on the moon and I'm returning to earth and everyone else has been living normally, that everyone has been dealing with their own world, their own inner and outer worlds uh, during the pandemic. And we're all coping in different ways. Well, it, it is so interesting, isn't it? That um, I think a lot of the, the the rhetoric, the discourse around this moment has been like, yeah, you're right, a return or a going back or um, everything is sort of normal. And that's definitely been, I think a lot of faculty are struggling with with the guidance they receive around like, well, just do what you would have done before, except that mm, what I would have done before didn't have like 10 students absent and three who don't want to come in the room and a bunch who don't want to do group work together, right? Like what I did before, it doesn't feel realistic right now. Um, and so there's this there's this sense at which like, I I think many of us feel like we should feel better about the being back. And when we don't, that is another whole thing to navigate. You know, our team is very, um, we tend to, we tend to all have quite sarcastic senses of humor. We definitely use humor as like the, the valve release, um, when we're under pressure and we've all recognized that we just have to be a lot gentler with each other, with our Mm. humor, because, things aren't landing the way they once did. And this sort of openness to changing our approach, open to apology, open to talking about struggle in this moment when all the discourse is sort of about like celebration is really kind of, I don't know what the word for it is, disorienting a little bit. Oh, I I, I really feel that. And, and to extend on that thought, there were lots of times during the pandemic where working remotely where like my central nervous system was in the best place. Yeah. <laughs> and, <too>. and <laughs> uh, you know, and I've, I have lived a life with lots of trauma punctuating 
different points of my life and it really impacts me mentally emotionally as well as physically it manifests in lots of different ways and so there were Mm -hmm. times that I was I was at peace and it was like my dirty little secret Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I, I felt that it would be so disrespectful uh knowing that so many people were you know literally uh, in danger of their lives. And there was, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was a pandemic. So it was, but that's, it was something that I had noticed because you just didn't have those same social impacts. And I know that um, for anyone that listens, this listening that, that knows me and, and knows that I was very active in the community and I was a performer and a host and, you know, I uh, was involved with lots of things. And I, I, I don't know if that's something that I can return to at least at that mm. pace because I look back on that and think that struck me as being manic behavior mm. because mm-hmm. you really had to be like go 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 and you didn't really have those points to recharge and then there was something again about the pandemic that it felt like permission to slow yeah. down it felt like things were taken off of your plate and and it was to me at that point in March 2020 uh, of course you know you didn't know how long the road would be but it did feel like a relief to mm-hmm. have less to do and there was just something about um just all of that and so you know moving forward into a more public capacity yeah it it's been something that I've really struggled with and been open about and um and then thinking well how do I how do I care for myself how do I survive this how is this going to be sustainable because I think Mm -hmm. and I hope that the culture continues to shift uh that there will be hybrid model options for more people as we move forward, because I think we we can't put this genie back in the bottle. We mm. there are things that we have done differently that could be continued to be done differently, or finding a a new way to achieve that mix of that public front-facing collaborative performative work and making space for that deep thinking. Um, productivity in which you're having to like write something if you're constantly having that flow interrupted not only is it problematic for your productivity but it's really challenging mentally Mm -hmm. um you know we've had moments where we're trying to you know chat with someone actually and I live in hypervigilance and that's something I haven't had to deal with and I find I'm going to need like one of those neck braces because I'm like in the hallway and talking to someone and it's sort of like my head just keeps jerking and all these different because it's like squirrel person. What? What's going on? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and then, and then afterwards the brain is like, Oh, you didn't, you weren't necessarily successful in that social interaction. (laughs) I bet you were, you were weird. And I don't know if you've had that where I have, you have like a social interaction and afterwards it's like, was that weird? Was I okay? (laughs) Did I say a wrong thing? And you know, and I checked in with someone about something, and they were like, "Oh, like that? That did not register." (laughs) Oh, because I obsessed about it for a solid hour afterwards. (laughs) It's like learning how to be in the world again, and um, you know, and some aspects of it I don't want back. Like Mm. I've been thinking, especially you know, I. I have a four-year-old and I didn't think of us as a particularly overscheduled family before. Um, But when everything after school and weekend got canceled, it was great. (laughs) It was like, oh, we don't actually just have to spend our lives rushing between things in this this fevered desire to like enrich every experience. Um, And then I think about how we 
have that conversation with our students too, who are in this moment, I think, from from the few students I get to speak to, it really seems like they want to make up for lost time, right? They mm-hmm. want to make up for last year. They want to pick up on all the experiences they didn't get to have. And I, my heart goes out to them because that feeling is awful to be sort of living in. And at the same time, there's no rush, right? Like I, oh. and I, I couldn't, I could not hear that message when I was 21. <laughs> People told me there was no rush and there was no timeline and I didn't have to sprint through my undergrad. Like those were, those were messages that I couldn't hear. Um, but I, I, I so badly want to have those conversations because I hope if we learn nothing else, like, can we, can we put away hustle culture after an 18 yes. months of pandemic, you know? Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. And, you know, and I, I thank you for saying that because I, I have to remind myself like when working with students that, you know, I am, I'm a grown woman and I have been <laughs> through a lot of, of work in myself. But when I was a student, I mean, I was, I was not an exemplary student and it took me really up until I about, you know, graduated basically that last year where I was like, I finally figure it out. Oh, I graduate now. Okay. <laughs> um, so reminding um, myself of, of where the students are at in their lives. Cause I honestly, there were points in the pandemic where I think I was having what I could describe as end of life feelings and mm-hmm. not that I thought I would die, but I really felt like a chapter of my life was really closing. And so I was able mm-hmm. to reflect on, you know, I've had some good times. I've worn some crazy costumes. I've uh, had some really grand adventures in terms of my performative life, but feeling mm. as though I didn't know how that would look in the post-pandemic world and and what my place would be in that. And if that was something I felt that I was capable of in terms of energy output, because mm. that's, mm. it's a big job. It's a lot of energy. It takes a lot of recovery. And so reflecting on, like, I'm really glad I had all of these things and all these opportunities and experiences. And perhaps that is what's driving this new chapter of feeling like um, I don't, I, I do not have the capacity to do it all. And I need to be very thoughtful about what I choose. And at this point being like, I want to be really good at my job. And that's not just my mm. output about my relationships in my job, about my relationships with my students, about how I um, take care of myself in this work. And then also, you know, taking care of my relationships and my home outside of that and feeling like, okay, my plate is really full. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking though, that there is that urge that students and, and other folks are feeling of like, that we need to get back to living. Um, although, you know, someone had said that, that we need to get back to living our lives. And I was like, oh, I've been low key living uh, yeah. my life. <laughs> because I think you had the chance to like rest and slow down Mm. and like read a book and, and those things. So I think there's lots of different definitions of, of how you can be living your life. And I think I would encourage a student to like, yeah, like write it all down, make that long list of all the things you want to do. And then let's choose one or two Mm -hmm. right now. Because again, I think that potential of trying to do it all, and I can attest to it, that you wind up doing a whole bunch of things poorly, or that you sacrifice your own health and well-being to to do all of those things. And you have to think about what that return is. And also the great joy of actually taking your time on the things you care about, right? Like so often what ends up happening when your plate gets so full is you, you, 
move quickly through everything. And, you know, the outcome might be fine. Like the person who is on the delivery end of that might be like, well, this is great. But did you get to spend that growth and development time with the thing that brings you great pleasure? And if the answer is no, then I'm I'm increasingly coming to the question of, well, then what is the point, <laughs> right? Like, yes. what, where does my own personal fulfillment and growth fit into that very heavy, very, very heavily laden plate? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, and I, I think too, I can really review my, my own life and, um, and the work that I've done and the things that I've achieved and, and really assessing what I was looking for. Mm. And, and did I get that? Is that what I, I needed at the time? And so I think it's really, again, that was space that was made. I mean, I'm uh, an avid fan of, of therapy and I've been going for a number mm. of years. So there's always been that, that thread, but in particular in the pandemic, especially losing a lot of things that were entangled in my identity Mm. Um, about being a performer, about being a particular kind of personality. And the students know me on on campus as, you know, the ridiculous Ms. Ashcroft. And and that's still, <laughs> you know, that's still a, a portion of who I am, but that is not exclusively who I am. And, and I mm. can attest to the fact that over the year, I mean, I guess more than a year, that I've really come into my introversion. Um, mm. I am, and I think that maybe that was what was causing a lot of tension was really feeling as though the expectation of me was to be this outlandish extrovert. Um, and then being at home all of this time and, and just really like, wow, like I am at peace. There is a calm, mm -hmm. not to say that it didn't, wasn't, there weren't stressful points, but that there was a general sense of, wow, the outside world impacts me so deeply. And that was a, one of my key concerns about moving forward into the post-pandemic realm was how am I to manage those pieces? Mm. Oh, this is, it's funny, last week or week before, for another project, I interviewed um, Kate Denial, who is, she's writing a book called Pedagogy of Kindness. And one of the things she was saying in that interview is this idea of like, the, the, the critical nature of the examined life if you're going to help other people, right? And so whether that's being your best self as a teacher or being your best self as a mentor, that's impossible to do in the absence of an examination of your own life. And mm. I was like, well, like that was mean. Don't say that to me directly. But <laughs> I was th thinking that this is you and I talk and it's like, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really true because as we help people to navigate through this very complicated time, it really does demand sort of a clear sense of what what you need um, and and who you are and and who that person is. And it's complicated. It's a, just a, such a complicated time. Oh, it, it really is. And, you know, but I feel like one of the things that I have stopped pushing against, or at least I've gotten better at sort of like catching myself, is is having an unrealistic expectation of myself. Like, you know, mm. I, I really have just come to settle into the idea that, you know, I, I have a mental health condition and there are certain things that I will always, always, always need to look out for and check in with and maintain. Mm. And I've stopped thinking that there's going to be an endpoint. 
um, of, of I will have fixed it or cured it or solved it. It will just always require a certain amount of management. And, and I have been so supported by the Faculty of Student Development in particular. Sarah Wolf has been my ride or die on this journey. And, mm. and all along, she's known that that's something that I've been grappling with and working on. And, and of course, this moving forward into being on campus uh, has been really emotional for me. And she's um, so then it makes it easy. And, and I tell this to students that sharing your context uh, and making a mental health plan, you want to do those things on a good day because oh, yeah. you don't want to have this panic attack and it's like, okay, well, let me just quickly tell you the story. It started the day I was born. And, you know, the more that we can have these conversations um, that so when a, an emergency strikes or something happens that someone's someone understands and they know and it's okay mm. and they can help you and so uh, that's a message that again I think that's part of it too is is having this narrative and being so open about what I was like as a student what I had been through as a student um, how my mental health impacts me how I manage that and that is a, an open book for students because I, I really 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 want to normalize mental health support mm. and and living with mental health concerns and you know you can still be a fabulous spectacular productive person but that might just be something that you need to manage and I think and I hope that that does mean something to students to so that you know knowing that this this wisdom or advice is coming from a, a deeply authentic place mm -hmm. and, and from a, a lived experience and, and and being able to share that. So if you ever catch an Instagram live, it would be not uncommon for me to say, you know, I was in counseling last week and, mm -hmm. and my counselor brought up this really interesting point and I want to pay that forward and pass that along because I want people to feel as though that it's not a secret. We don't have to whisper that we want to just shout it out that we're, we're getting help. Isn't that, that, isn't that spectacular? Isn't that brave? Ugh, it's such important modeling and it's so, you know, it's so different than my own experience as a student, which is not so long ago. Um, but I just, I think about how different the conversations were around accessing support, how unlikely it was to hear an instructor or a mentor or someone in a position of authority say, not just you should go and get these resources, but here's how I made use of these resources when I was a mm. student. Here's how I look after myself now. Those conversations absolutely didn't feel possible. And they're totally possible now. And isn't that remarkable? I it's it is so exciting to me, honestly. And I, you know, I had submitted an essay to the TRU history book as one of their influencers, which was a tremendous honor. Mm. And reflecting on um, you know, actually, I started university 20 years ago this year, which was very confronting to to look at them, <laughs> figure that out. I was like, oh, my God. And really <laughs> thinking about, um, you know, when I was a student, I experienced a life disturbance. I was a, I was sexually assaulted and it was very devastating. And I didn't know about supports. And really, the, the supports as they are today were not how they were 20 years ago. There wasn't mm -hmm. a sexualized violence prevention and response office and a big shout out to that team for their incredible work that they do. Mm -hmm. So obviously, for me, as a, as a young person that went through that, um, there was so much I didn't know, and I didn't know to access supports. And you're not thinking clearly if you experience anything like that. And so that's, a, again, a huge 
threads of importance in this work is is being able to you know model by example and and look to where we can create those those narratives that it's not just that these services exist. How can you utilize them? How can mm-hmm. they support you? Who are the people? What would that look like? You know, and with SVPR, you know, it's really important for me to express when we do presentations. It's not just for recent survivors. There, if you're a historic survivor, you can access that support at any given point because grief is a shapeshifter, and mm. you might not be ready to to tackle that uh, at any particular point. But when the time comes that you're like, okay, and that happened to me, that it just it really started to encroach like there was just this shadow that I couldn't seem to sort of move away from and and that team actually was one of my very first steps when I first started in this role because it was like wow right there's like a real trauma hotspot for me at Mm. this place and they were able to really help me get to a place in which then I have that consistent support and have the ability to to manage and and maintain uh, those trauma experiences, and again, then sharing that with other students and normalizing it, so that they feel as though, like, yes, I could, I too could change uh, my life with the help. And I think too, like, it's so important to know you're not alone. You might feel so mm. alone in whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a significant trauma. Sometimes it just hurts to be alive. It just you feel mm. it. It's you know, school is hard, and learning how to learn. I was not. I was not a strong student academically, and I definitely did not get high marks, especially in my my early years. And that, mm. of course, takes such a you know that takes a toll on your confidence, right? So I think there's something about remembering as a student that you're learning how to learn. You're learning about this subject. I often say, like, otherwise you'd be the professor teaching the class. <laughs> like you're here in this space because you're not familiar with this subject. But how do we help you have all of those pieces in place? in terms of your social, academic, personal well-being. So you're able to come into that class and and focus. And if you're not focusing, that there's a support for kind of anything that's that's plaguing you. And that's possibly where you have to grow into that self-awareness. And I think there are mm-hmm. lots of points in, in my life in which I things were happening to me or I was experiencing things emotionally and not really understanding what the cause of it is. Whereas now it's like, it's sort of like if you have an emotional or a reaction that I think of it as like a tire popping on the highway. It's like, okay, I just need to get off the highway. I need to pull <laughs> the car off on the side of the road. We've had an emergency. And so having that capability. So it's not like, it's just, okay, There's there's been an accident. That's fine. We can get to that place of safety. And I think that's also really important, helping students have the tools to identify what they need and then have those solutions to follow. Alicia, I'm so glad you're here and doing this work for our students. It's, you know, it is um, such a critical change in the way we approach students. I I also, I started about 21 years ago, I guess. And I, well, no, 20 years ago. It's 2001, right? Yeah. That would be 20 years ago. Yeah, that's when I started too. <laughs> and I um, I think about how it was still very much a time of like, Students and faculty are brains in jars. <laughs> they come mm. and they do their intellectual things and then they leave. And, you know, there were spaces, people trying to carve out those spaces. And, and my heart always goes to to women's centers and how critical they were as the really the only space where some of these conversations were able to be had, but also how they were often stigmatized places on campus, places, you know, 
many of us were still kind of whispering the word feminist at that point in our (laughs) lives. And so to actually access those resources was so hard. And I just, it's amazing that the idea of seeing ourselves, each other, and our students as whole people, like we're not there yet 100%, but it's... um, it's an amazing transition that we're in the middle of, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I wanted to ask you, as I was reflecting on when I started university, and of course, uh, you know, I think we were maybe less than a week into school when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was reflecting on it because I, I started that year. And then the year that I was set to graduate, the um, stock market crashed. Yeah. And I was really struck by the idea where it feels like just when I was starting or, you know, ending something, the world is ending. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that for the students as well, because it, it does feel like it, we're living in incredibly harrowing times. Um, I think it's very easy to get some apocalyptic blues. Um, and mm-hmm. then really thinking too, like, well, what is my purpose? Um, and how do I attach, you know, in terms of like, uh, yeah, am I still supposed to write this paper, even though I feel like the world is ending? <laughs> um, yeah. And then so thinking about uh, where where can we tap into when we're looking for meaning? What What is yeah. the meaning of this work? So yes, I mean, this paper might might not feel important to you, but it is about doing the work and completing it and and moving through the course. And I think that's really important. So if someone's not feeling connected to their sense of meaning, and again, if they don't have that yet, then that's okay. But just having those ways to to check in. And again, it comes back to building up that community that can help uh, you know where someone can see you from the outside and Mm. make space to just go maybe is this kind of what you're thinking or feeling or needing and it's like wow I kind of knew that but I didn't have the words for it and again this is where I'm so grateful that um, student services has grown so much that students um can have those conversations. And again, it's not just in counseling, like the multi-faith chaplaincy and, and there's all kinds of opportunities to just like, just talk it out mm-hmm. in an informal way um, that then you can start to grow into yourself. Cause again, it's not just that you're in school to get a degree and get a job. It's you're, you're learning about yourself. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important for all of us to remember, you know, in the same way I hope students remember for us, that they are coming into this space with their own context, their own struggles, their own issues, their own traumas. And and those two worlds really collide of their, yeah. you know, whether they're dealing with housing or food insecurity or they're uh, they're queer and haven't been supported at home or they're experiencing racism and and all of that is causing harm and impacting confidence mm. and and not giving uh, an individual a sense of safety in the world of connectedness and community and so i think it's it's on us to be mindful of those students and and you know because we, we can't just say a place is safe and not mm. be doing the work ourselves to ensure that we're doing everything we can to be safe people in those safe spaces. We cannot expect anyone to get it right. We're not looking mm. for per- perfection. I think what we're looking for is genuine effort mm-hmm. to to ask questions when it's appropriate, to do your own research when it's appropriate. And I think that's always appreciated. I think anyone can appreciate someone trying to, to, to learn and grow and expand. 
Um, and then there's, I think that really opens up that conversation of like, oh, I'd love to be able to help you learn a bit more about this. Um, and then again, there's just there's lots of potential in that. This has been such a good conversation and I'm, I'm loath to end it, except that we're getting to the end of our time together. I just um, thank you not just for your time, but for your willingness to really dig into and be so vulnerable about these issues because they're it's it's just so critical not just to help people learn and move through the world but to create the kind of campus environment that allows people to grow and to move through space in a way that's meaningful so thank you for your time today but also just for for being this voice on our campus oh you know it's um it's such a gift Honestly, and I, I've reflected on that. And as I had said, I'd written that that essay and reflecting on being a student. And I really carry that person with me um, mm. in uh, when I do this work. I remember being younger because I'm very young and fresh still. <laughs> <laughs> me too, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I just think that I think that has to be a thing that we tap into. And actually, that's maybe where I'll go with this. Is is I always remind students about that. And and when I interview you know, like President Brett Bear, Bear Baron, um, the asking him about being a student and being an mm. undergrad and tell me about a time where you got it wrong or you made a mistake. And I, people are so generous in sharing that. So I think it's just really important to remember as a student that we were once students too, and we've mm. also made mistakes and we've gotten it wrong and we've fallen down and we've gotten back up. And, and that there is so much potential in in those really hard moments, that's where mm. all of, I know that's where so much of my growth took place. And there are definitely moments in my life where I'm like, I wish these things hadn't happened to me, but now I don't think I would trade any of it because of how I have been equipped to pay that wisdom forward. And I think we all have that potential to pass that along in our own way. That is a that is a perfect and inspiring message for the beginning of term. I think it's important for us all to hold on to. Thank you so much for your time uh, today, Alicia. I could chat with you forever. Thank you so much for <laughs> inviting me. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. So that is it for season two, episode four of You Got This. As always, if you want to write to us, you can email me. I'm bgray at tru.ca. And I'm also on Twitter at Brenna C. Gray. And in both cases, that's gray with an A. All of our show notes and transcripts are posted at yougotthis.truebox.ca, and of course you can always comment on individual episodes there. I'm going to leave you today with a tiny teaching tip, and it echoes back to what Alicia talked about. I wonder if there's a space in your class this week, not just to introduce or share the resources that we have available to us here at TRU or to our students, but if there's a way that you can maybe contextualize them, did you make use of a writing center when you were a student? Did you wish you had? Did you go to a wellness center or did you struggle with wellness related issues that maybe could be helped by that resource? I often think that it's not enough to just let our students know where these resources are, but critical that they understand that accessing support and help is actually an expected, natural, normal, good part of the academic journey. Can you provide that to your students this week? They'll be healthier for it, 
and you will be too. Speaking of health, <laughs> I'm going to go lie down. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with my croaky voice this week. I'm hoping it's back to normal next week. And until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.